folks. We're going on grid. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Live from the betting capital of the world. Vegas, baby. Vegas! It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. Welcome to Wager Talk on the Sports Grid TV Network. Welcome, Zoomer viewers, on Channel 719. I'm Teddy Covers at Teddy underscore Covers on Twitter. Joined, as always, by my co-host Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. And this is your Sports Central for better. Stay tuned. We have an action-packed hour for you coming up right now. And let's get right into it. BBBBBB, bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books, the hot topics for today. And the number one thing that's going on right now, of course, breaking news this afternoon. Sam Darnold has mono. Trevor Simeon's going to start for the Jets on Monday night. The betting markets have said the drop off between Sam Darnold and Trevor Simeon is exactly four points. Cleveland was minus two and a half. Now they're minus six and a half. Simeon had a winning record as the starting quarterback in Denver, 13-11 and 11 in 24 starts. He's not a rookie. He's not a guy that can't play. Do you think that reaction is appropriate from the betting markets here to have the Browns now laying six and a half instead of two and a half because Darnold is out? I think that is absolutely absurd. You have Sam Darnold, a quarterback who's won four games who's played 14 games, who has a quarterback rating of 45, now sitting out. Simeon, like you said, yes, he hasn't started a game since December 2017, but he does have a winning record. This Browns team has been in a way favor twice since 2013. Oh, yeah, by the way, they lost both of those games outright. And you're laying a touchdown? I had absolutely no interest in this game. I will now be clearly looking at the Jets. Uh, so, Ralph says the four-point line move is an overreaction, and the drop-off from Simeon to Arnold isn't dramatic. Now, look, Darnold has shown signs that he can be a capable NFL starting quarterback, shown signs at times he can be a good NFL starting quarterback. Last week was not oh, one of those weeks against the Buffalo Bills defense. We'll see who works out better this time around against a Browns defense that, in theory, should be as good as Buffalo, at least in the front seven, but wasn't last week as they faced that physical Titans team. See if the Jets can out-physical them up front. That's going to be a big part of the handicap for Monday Night Football. Other breaking news this morning, the Skins lost their running back. Darius Geis out now for Washington. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. That means it's Adrian Peterson time in D.C. Peterson, a healthy scratch last week. He was inactive uh, for the Redskins this week. They're counting on him to carry the load. Is that a point spread line mover with Geis out and Peterson in? Or no adjustment for you uh, on this one? Well, I don't I don't know how you can make an adjustment because Geis is out from last week. Listen, Geis ran the ball 10 times for 18 yards. The Washington Redskins ran the ball 13 times for 28 yards. Teddy, you could have played running back and put up those numbers last week. So uh, again, I understand having Geis in the back in the backfield does change the way you have to play. He's much more dynamic than AP, but 
you know, they're going to, it looks like they're going to be relying on Case Keenum to throw the ball and they're going to do so again this week. Sure. Which may have an influence on the total in that ballgame. We've have seen a little bit of over money in DC as well, but the truth of it, Ralph is if I was a running back for the Redskins, my average would be at least I'm thinking minus six yards a carry. Cause anytime they handed me the ball, I would just fall down right there. Uh, before taking the hit. So uh, <laughs> uh, I would not do as well as that. I would not gain 18 yards on 13 carries. I would take the under for me, even running behind a massive NFL starting offensive line. So we got trademark stuff to talk about. Ohio State doesn't get the the. LeBron doesn't get Taco Tuesday. What are you going to try to service mark or trademark, Ralph? Uh, just so you know, I've got Teddy Covers service marked already. Don't even try it. If you use it, I can sue you. I actually have to send you a letter to cease and desist first, <laughs> but then I can sue you. But I got it service marked, but Ohio State doesn't get the the LeBron. LeBron didn't deserve Taco Tuesday, did he? Did he make that up? No. Uh, why, why are we talking about this? Is it that slow of a news day? But let me say, let me, let me correct you at one point, Teddy. It's not the Ohio State University. It's the Ohio State University. Please say it properly. No, the has two E's on the end of it. That's these and thous. They were trying to trademark the the for Ohio State University, and they didn't get it done. That's why, again, I'm glad I had that Teddy Cover service mark. I did that like 10 years ago, and I was really glad that I did it. Uh, and yes, I've renewed it too, so don't even try. Uh, so Wednesday night MLB steam. We like to talk about what happened in the baseball betting markets as well, especially during the week. And boy, we're seeing it again. The money on Tuesday, basically all losers, and the big steam plays yesterday, the Marlins, the Cardinals, the Indians, and the Reds, the four teams that took the most wise guy money and public money in baseball, three of the four lost, and the one that won, Cleveland, they didn't get there on the run line. So, you know, the Brewers beat the Marlins, the Rockies, again, won two to one over the Cards. The Cards' bats have gone cold at Coors, Cleveland with the one-run win against LA, and the Reds lost in Seattle. MLB steam going south here in September. What are the wise guys doing wrong, Ralph? Well, again, I, I, we talk about it in football all the time when we get to when we get to December. Having pressure to win means you have more pressure on the team. It doesn't all of a sudden mean you're a better team. Yet a few few people start betting it. The public jumps in, and we get these must-win teams now having steam on them. Again, I look to fade those all day and all night. Yeah, but I mean, some of those weren't must-wins. The Marlins weren't a must-win team. The Reds weren't a must-win team. Those are teams that are out of it. But the market's still making big moves, even towards bottom feeders at this time of the year. They're trying to bet some of this September roster stuff, which is doable only if you're paying maximum attention to the NFL on a gaming game out or the uh, MLB on a gaming game out basis. One last thing to talk about at the top. Let's talk about Buffalo Wild Wings. BW3, your old buddies from Ohio, they just partnered with MGM. No betting, just prizes. 30 seconds or left, Ralph. What do you got on BW3 and MGM? Obviously, they, they set this precedence. There will be betting down the road for the states that allow. This just allows them to get the foot in the door, work out the kinks early. Yeah, it's a smart move by BW3 when you're a restaurant and now you can be a sports betting restaurant. Good marketing move for Buffalo Wild Wing. And plus, I like their wings. We'll be right back here on Wager Talk. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Talk Penny Coverage and Ralph Michaels. We're breaking it down from Las Vegas for this coming weekend's football action. We're football-centric the rest of the show, guys. And let's start right here with line movers. Where's the money moving? And most importantly, why is it moving? Is this stuff we want to get down right now? Is this stuff you want to wait? This segment is for us to discuss that and find out. So let's start with this total on the rise in Baltimore. Cliff Kingsbury last week said that he called the worst game of his life for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter in overtime, Arizona responded with 18 points when he wasn't calling the worst game of his life. The betters expect him to call a better game this week. That Ravens-Cardinals total, Ralph, opened as low as 41.5. Now we're looking at 46s across the board. There's been heavy steam on this over. I think it's an overreaction. Yes, Kingsbury and Murray moved the ball in the fourth quarter, but that was against a Matt Patricia defense that was playing completely prevent, giving them a wide open 10 yards to throw the ball and giving them all time to throw with fewer people pass rushing. I think complete overreaction to week one with Arizona moving the ball and tying the game up and with as good as Baltimore and Lamar Jackson looked at Miami. I disagree with the line move. I actually like the under. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we didn't see from Arizona a ton in week one was a lot of up-tempo, no-huddle offense where they're trying to run, you know, 80-plus plays in an NFL game. They talked all preseason. They had a lot of stuff that they had kind of – that they weren't going to show – we didn't see a whole lot of that last week either. So uh, the markets, I think, expecting playing the pace of the Cardinals as much as any other factor. They're expecting Baltimore to run no huddle. They're expecting Arizona to run no huddle. And this game likely to have more plays and more drives than your average game. Hence, all the money coming on the over. We're seeing some Oakland love. Hey, the Raiders look pretty good on Monday Night Football. Now down to plus seven at home against KC. That total, however, on the rise, total up to 53, betters not respecting the Chiefs' defense after their week one showing against Jacksonville, in which Gardner Minshew looked really good against KC coming off the bench. Again, another situation where KC was in a prevent defense. I think you said it best earlier this week. KC's defense is built to give you yards between the 20s, yet they do hold teams out of the end zone or hold them to field goals. You know, they led that game 23-13 or 24-13 at the half last week. They controlled it even easier than that. Uh, I think the Raiders are in for a letdown. Again, I give you credit, Teddy. You talked about the emotional response the Raiders had Monday night, us against the world, AB's gone. Let's build and start the season 1-0. Well, you can't play at that same level each week. So from going to your home opener on national TV to this week, although I'm not on KC, I just see reasons not to play the Raiders. 
If the Raiders' offensive line plays as well this week as they did on Monday night, the Raiders are liable to win this game in straight-up fashion. I do not trust that Chiefs defense. And, of course, the modified baseball field is not a great venue for the speed of those Kansas City receivers. I can understand why the money has come on Oakland in this one. Revenge! Revenge! People go crazy for these revenge matchups, college and the NFL. This is one that's getting a lot of attention, and it is meaningful revenge, no question. The L.A. Rams stole the New Orleans Saints Super Bowl trip last year. The Saints remember that, and the betting markets remember that. Nothing but Saints money from the opener here. The original minus three, now minus two for L.A., and signs are this one could even go lower. Saints look very tough to stop on Monday Night Football. Does L.A. have a chance to slow the Saints down again and to win this game, being that they're the favorites, Ralph? What do we think? Rams and the Saints, you have anything in that database about playoff revenge? I don't, but, you know, looking, there's some places that already bounced back to two and a half. There's going to be enough Rams backers that I think it's going to stay right in this number. And yes, I, I'm happy that you said it's meaningful revenge, because if you lose a game that you were supposed to as an underdog, you don't have revenge the next season. If you lose a close game, you know, that is a game that you basically covered the spread but lost, you don't have revenge the next weekend. But playoffs, losing in a championship series is certainly playoff revenge. But my concern is this. They didn't have a healthy Gurley. Gurley sure looked good to me last week. Uh, Rams on a short week off Monday night, and yes, the Rams had to come from Carolina, so they traveled as well. But that extra day of, of travel, a day and a half of extra rest, is a big deal to me. I won't be on either side or either total of this game, but my eyes will sure be tuned into it. Yeah, I'm with you. I've not yet placed a, game, a bet on this game, nor do I expect to. The under makes sense to me. I think that both teams are going to look to run the football and keep their opposing offense off the field. I'm convinced the Rams are going to try to do that with Gurley. Uh, this time around. And the Saints, that offense was all dink and dunk last week. And it worked. It was impossible to stop. I'd expect to see more of the same of that here in L.A. We're seeing Eagles money. The Falcons offensive line, suspect last week. Key injury already. Their number one draft choice out. And Philadelphia shut them down when they played last year. It was that 16-12 to 12 final score? The Falcons got the money. They did not win the game, and the offense didn't work. That being said, Atlanta's returning home where they played pretty well. Last year, remember, they opened the season and scored 12 in Philly and then came back with back-to-back-to-back 30-plus games at home. Well, we're seeing Eagles money. Philly now minus one and a half on Sunday night in Atlanta. Well, again, Atlanta got taken out of their ball game last week because of being minus three in turnovers. And, you know, you could say, well, look, the Atlanta defense held Minnesota to 269 yards and 18 first downs. But again, if you turn the ball over, Miami, excuse me, Minnesota wasn't forced to do anything. Another thing when I look at the O-line, it is very difficult to go into a dome setting like Minnesota where you can't hear the play being changed, when you have trouble hearing the cadence. Uh, your offensive line can often struggle in that situation. Home cooking does a great deal for you in that second week. Uh, again, I think this is a real over, overreaction to week one with Atlanta having to play in Minnesota. 
I mean, certainly the markets are saying Philly significantly better than Atlanta because the Eagles favored on the road in what is going to be a loud and hostile dome. We're telling you that Philly's, you know, four and a half, five points better in terms of power rating standpoint than Atlanta is right now in the broader markets. Switching to college, let's talk about some of the bigger line movers on some marquee games. And look, this one stands out. Last week, the money poured in against Clemson. This week, the money's pouring in on Clemson. Clemson up to minus 28 on the road at Syracuse. I think this is as much a play against Syracuse. Listen, Syracuse was not a top 25 team. They were in the AP top 25 poll last week when they went to Maryland. I have them about number 55 in my power rating. So if I did an AP poll, they would be number 55. Obviously, the drop-off to Dungy to DeVito, huge. Uh, I agree with the line move. Clemson played. Uh, Clemson also remembers last year's game, when last time they came to Syracuse a couple years ago. So, again, this is a line move I do agree with. Yeah, that was the first game that Trevor Lawrence started in a Clemson uniform. After Kelly Bryant announced he was going into the transfer protocol, Lawrence got hurt during the game, and Syracuse nearly pulled off the upset. Of course, that was with Eric Dungy at QB. DeVito has not been good. One more to talk about. Less than a minute, Ralph. Well, is it Gary Patterson getting the market love versus Jeff Brom, or is everyone just worried that Purdue's QB is injured? And we're going to see Jack Plummer, the redshirt frosh for the Boilermakers this week. Sindelar in concussion protocol. Jack Plummer, no relation to Jake Plummer, the former Arizona State star and Arizona Cardinals QB. Jake the Snake? Uh, you know, I, I can't play on this line move. Uh, TCU is just an unknown to me. Uh, with, with what they have coming back, only 12 starters. They played Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yes, they won. They had last week off. I don't know what to expect off TCU this year. Yeah, TCU is a question mark. We'll know more about them after Saturday. We'll be right back with Big Game Breakdowns here on Wager. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Week two in the NFL is just a few hours away, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament setting. Oh, in a DraftKings tournament, setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. Registered users are winning thousands of dollars each week playing Daily Fantasy using the service, and you can too. If you are playing DFS and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL Annual Pass with faster optimizer, smarter projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. It's big game breakdown time, Ralph, and that means we're going to talk about 
the one football game on tap tonight. No college on Thursday night, but we do have an NFL marquee matchup, a divisional game, and there are bad trends for both of these teams. The markets now have pretty much moved this to seven. Carolina minus seven, total of 49 against Tampa. You can still find some six and a halves for the Panthers if you shop around. There are a lot of sevens, uh, even money on Carolina. You have to lay 120 with Tampa. And that's what it's about. What is is, the difference between six and a half and seven is worth. It's worth, what, in the range of 11 to 12 cents uh, between the two. So you would expect a seven easy easy money is going to correlate fairly accurately with the six and a half minus 115 or so. So, uh, But the money has come for the Panthers, despite the fact that, again, the trends say Carolina is a terrible division favorite. They've been bad in this role for years. That being said, the teams off a week one loss at home, playing at home week two, tend to be pretty good. And Tampa is not a team that many betters appear to have a lot of confidence in. Certainly not after Jameis Winston threw not one, but two pick sixes last week, the second of which was the type of god-awful throw that veteran NFL quarterbacks are just not allowed to make. Panthers and the Bucks, 7-49. What's your take, Ralph Michaels? You know, the interesting thing is what Tampa's going to do. We know Bruce Arians has a quarterback and a team that basically leads the NFL in passing almost every year or they're near the top. So he needs Jameis Winston to throw the ball. He also watched two horrible pick sixes that Jameis threw this last week. So does he reel him back a little or does he let him keep throwing? We'll see what happens there. You know, as far as I look on the Panthers side, you know, you have to be pleased with McCaffrey rushing for 128 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. Newton talked about how he struggled. He wanted to play in the preseason, was banged up and couldn't get the reps he wanted to. Obviously, we'll see him improve here. I do have a uh, a trend for our viewers, and this really is the way I'm leaning with the game. When the Panthers are a division home favorite, you know, Riverboat Ron, you know, Gambled. I mean, when he's in a dog roll, but as a division home favorite, the Carolina Panthers are 5-27-1. So we are talking about 84-plus percent of the time Carolina is a division home favorite to go under the total. I think Garians reels back Winston a little bit. I think Carolina's happy running the ball, and I agree with that under. Your thoughts on this game, Teddy? Yeah, and again, there, there's something that certainly makes a lot of sense for underbetters in this ballgame. Two things when it comes down to what we saw last week uh, between these uh, with, with these two teams. First is that I thought Tampa Bay was a lot better defensively than the 31 points they allowed, and they were. Uh, they, you know, they, they gave up two pick sixes, which, you know, they gave up 17 points with their defense. The defense did not get blown off the line of scrimmage. They did a nice job against the run. They were not open receivers downfield. So the final score said the Bucs gave up 31 points. Their defense played much better than that. I believe it was San Fran, 4.3 yards per play. It was a good defensive outing for Tampa Bay, a positive defensive outing. The other thing that happened last week that's definitely worth noting here is Tampa ran the football effectively last week. They really did. Jones and Barber were good together, and they were pounding the rock against San Francisco, 
You talked about liking the under in this one, and I would expect a Buccaneers defense to play fairly well and a Buccaneers running game to be the focus of the offense. And those two things in combo certainly make a strong case for underbetters. You know, let's look at an early important game in the NFC North. Green Bay comes in 1-0. The Vikings are 1-0. I mean, Matt LaFleur has to be thinking, boy, this is an easy job. I open up at the Bears on Thursday night. We win that game. Now I get more rest and I get our other division rival coming into town. Aaron Rodgers looked fine against a very good defense. The Packers defense impressed me. The line... Green Bay minus three, a total of 44. Tell us who takes control in the NFC North. And it's a really interesting game to talk about, and a really interesting game to consider, and not a game that I expect to bet on. Uh, if I was going to bet, I could only take Minnesota plus. My power ratings say that Minnesota is a little bit better than Green Bay and that the three here is a notch or two too high. But the Vikings are also a trendy, popular underdog this week. And one thing I don't want in the NFL particularly very early in the season, are the trendy popular underdogs. The public dogs do not do well week two, week three of the NFL season. So that does concern me about Minnesota. You know, and it's a question of half good, half bad. How do you want to look at it? The Packers had one touchdown drive last week. The offense didn't work. They didn't run the ball effectively. You know, we talked about the questions when it comes to skill position talent for this year's Green Bay team. And yeah, Valdez Scanlon caught that the one uh, long pass. Devontae Adams can catch deep balls. But when we look at this Green Bay offense, it is not an offense loaded with big-time playmakers. It's not. You could say this is the weakest group of skills and talent around Aaron Rodgers that he's had at any point in his Green Bay career. And when you're going against that Minnesota defense, boy, you want those quick strikes. It's hard to march the ball 80, field, 80 yards down the field uh, against that Vikings defense. So if you have the big play potential, it goes a long way in this game. I didn't see that from Green Bay in the preseason. I didn't see it in week one. That's definitely a concern for me, for the Packers. But the question is, how good is this Green Bay defense? They were okay last year. They were okay the year before. They have not looked anything like what they looked like on Thursday night against the Bears, where they were the dominant unit on the field. Uh, I mean, some of that was Trubisky. The question is, how much of it was Trubisky and how much of it was Green Bay? Fourth quarter, tight game, game on the line. I want Rodgers at home over Cousins on the road. But at the same time, I do think Minnesota's a notch or two better than uh, Green Bay. So lean Vikings, I'm not going to get to the window with them. What about you, Ralph? You got an opinion on this one? How about the total? 44 seems low for what we've seen from the Packers in recent years. Yeah, I, I believe in the upgrade in the Packers defense. Obviously, they jettisoned a couple veterans that have been a name that have been hallmarks in this defense. So uh, I do lean. I do lean with the Packers, and I think they take care of business. Minnesota, big edge early at home. You know, moving to our next game, you want to talk about an early edge at home. We talk about the altitude in Denver. Here's a stat for you. Denver, weeks one and two of the regular season at home, 22-1 and one, their last 23 home games the first two weeks of the season. Chicago, obviously, though, benefits from having played on Thursday coming off a loss. Which of these teams goes to 2-0? and oh? Which of them go to 0-2? Oh the Chicago Bears, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 40-and-a-half. I'll tell you this, neither one of them is going to go 2-0 and because they both started 0-1. and 
So one of these two teams is going to be 500. The other one is going to be 0 and 2. And all of a sudden, everyone's going to start to freak out and panic. Um, Both teams look like crap. Absolute crap offensively in their opener. The difference, of course, is that people forget how bad the Bears look because they played on Thursday. And after Thursday were the Sunday games. And after Sunday were the Monday games. And what's the last thing you saw? Was the Broncos looking like crap. Hence, at least some of the Chicago money. But some of this has to do with expectations. You know, the Bears projected as a nine, nine and a half win team coming into the season. The Broncos more like a seven win team. And the Broncos didn't even look like a seven win team in week one. You know, scary start for Denver when it comes. I mean, Denver is supposed to be a defense based team. They hired some guy named Fangio from Chicago who should know A, what the Bears want to do defensively, and B, how to defend Chicago's offense as well as anybody in the NFL. But that. Broncos defense that's supposed to be all that. They didn't lay a finger on Derek Carr on Monday night. Not a finger on him. No sacks, no pressures, no nothing. Von Miller, Nick Chubb, non-factors in that ball game. They're going to have to be factors here if the Bears are going to get upset at Broncos Stadium. Well, let's save enough time for the premier game of the week. We talked about it earlier in line moves. The L.A. Rams now a two-point favorite, a total of 52-and-a-half. I think the Rams, with a healthy girly, uh, are the better team here. Uh, the Saints actually the favorite in the NFC to win the NFC compared to the Rams being number two in that role. Teddy, finish it up in this segment with the Rams and the New Orleans Saints. You know, so I bet the Saints uh, a large wager on the Saints under 10 and a half wins. I had a lot of things I did not like about New Orleans coming into the season. And they won week one. There's still a lot of things I don't like about New Orleans coming into the season. I worry about their depth. I worry about Breeze's ability. I mean, again, it was all dink and dunk uh, against L.A. until the very end. Uh, last week against uh, Houston until they had to chuck it. But... This is not a QB I trust against really good defenses. I was impressed with New Orleans tremendously. Their offense at times looked unstoppable in that ballgame against Houston. And I worry about LA's, LA's ability to stop it. The short passing game, really effective. Really, really effective for New Orleans. That's a tough thing for LA to stop. This is going to be a fascinating game, Ralph. It really is. This isn't a game that I'm close to making a wager on. I don't want to lay with L.A. I don't want to take with New Orleans. It's a game where I'm going to watch and learn. Slightly towards the under, I do think both teams will be running the football here start to finish. We'll be right back on Wager Talk, talking college football next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to Wait to Talk. Teddy covers it with Ralph, Ralph Michael breaking it down for you on a Thursday. We just went through all the biggest line moves. We went through all the news and notes from the biggest betting decisions from last night and what's going on today. We went through the NFL and discussed a handful of NFL games. 
Now, let's talk some college football. Before I do that, before we do that, I have to tell you, follow follow me at Teddy Underscore Covers. Follow Ralph at CalSportsLV. Follow the Sports Grid Network. Get access to all of the programming at SportsGrid on Twitter. And be sure to download that app, the SportsGrid app, available from your uh, app uh, your app store uh, for free, of course. And you can get all of this fine content on demand throughout the course of the day. Download the SportsGrid app. Follow at SportsGrid on Twitter. Let's talk some of the big marquee matchups in college football this weekend. And this is one that's drawing a lot of betting attention. The early money, Ralph, poured in on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Poured in. Iowa State opened the favorite, and Iowa went up to minus two and a half, and then it stopped. Didn't get to three. And lo and behold, now the money's trickling in on the Cyclones, back down to one and a half for Iowa. Total 44 and a half. ESPN Game Day is going to be there. Anything we can bet on in this one? I completely understand the line move. You have Iowa off a 24-point win against Miami of Ohio. You then have your Big Ten opener, and you win 30 to nothing. And you hold Rutgers to five first downs. You're holding a conference opponent to five first downs. Uh, and here's another point for Iowa. They are 16 one and one against the spread as an away favorite. With that said, I like the home dog here. I am a huge fan of Matt Campbell's. He's in my top five head coaches. I think he'll be at an elite program in the next year or two. Reading a lot about Matt Campbell and reading this week, Matt Campbell loves a week to buy. This goes back to his Mount Union days as a player and as a coach. You play one game, you make your adjustments, you are fresh, you put in new wrinkles, and you are ready for game three. The Northern Iowa game went overreaction. Northern Iowa, an excellent FCS team, and despite going to overtime and only winning by three, they still had a 463 to 262 yard edge. Iowa State, 9-2-2 ATS as a home dog. They've lost four straight in this series. Uh, I think Matt Campbell and Iowa State get it done. So my power number has Iowa State the favorite in this ballgame. I'm with you 100% in terms of the way it would look. But when Iowa 16-1-1, their last 18 tries is road chalk, and you're saying I like the other side, are you actually willing to step in front of that? Do you think that's random? Because to me, that's Kirk Ferentz, and that's one of those things that there's no way I'm going to step in front of that. Even though I lean Iowa State, I'm not going to get to the window with Iowa State, even as an underdog, because of Ferenc's success in that role. What's your take? 16-1-1, you're like, yeah, I'll step in front of that. If it gets to three, I will step in front of it. Uh, you know, and you got to look. I mean, again, you're against a 9-2-2 two, and two ATS record as a home dog and the 16-1-1. and one and one. You have to put an asterisk on it until it occurs again this year and becomes the regular theme. You have changeovers in your program. Yes, you still have Stanley as your quarterback. If a if a person is 16-1-1 and, and they're already 3-0 and in that role this season, I wouldn't step in front of it. Since it's 16-1-1 and, and all those results are from previous seasons, I will if the situation is right. And I think if it gets to three, I will play against it this week. Yeah, that was the number I was looking for. And unfortunately, 
it's come back in the other direction. And when I don't get the number I'm looking for, I'm not looking to force action. It's not like we have a shortage of games we can bet on the college football board every week. If I don't get the number, I pass the game. It's that simple. I encourage you to do the same thing. If you're looking for a number and you don't get it, that doesn't mean you have to force the action. At a minimum, make a reduced size wager if you're not getting the number you were hoping for. This is an interesting one. Pac-12. Who's the best team in the Pac-12 so far? Hawaii is. Washington. Minus 21, total of 59 against the Rainbow Warriors, who are 2-0 in Pac-12 action this season and looking to make it 3-0 this coming week. Hawaii's actually been pretty good in the road dog roll, despite the fact that we always think, back Hawaii at home, don't take them on the mainland. They've been good road dogs in recent years, but Washington might be in a nasty mood after their bad loss to Cal last week. They struggled with Cal each of the last two seasons. And talking about that Washington team and the Washington game, let's remember this. Husky Stadium is a very difficult place to play. This past Saturday, they had a three-hour rain delay. If you stayed up and watched the game that ended at 4.30 in the morning on the East Coast time, God bless you. I didn't, but I watched some highlights, and there was nobody left in that game after three hours. It was an entirely different dynamic. Now you have a fired-up Washington team playing against a Hawaii team that allowed 539 yards to Arizona, 432 yards to a very weak offense of Oregon State. They allowed 51 total first downs. Oh, yeah, by the way, Cole McDonald has thrown five interceptions in two games. Husky's the only way for me to look in this game. I'm with you 100%. It's worth noting the type of receivers that Hawaii recruits. They recruit guys with Pac-12 speed that don't have Pac-12 size. They can't get the scholarships from UCLA and USC and Washington. So they're shorter receivers. And the one thing that Husky secondary has, boy, they've got size and they've got depth. My biggest concern about Washington here would be the back door. You know, if the Huskies are up 28 in the fourth quarter, I expect Hawaii to keep throwing. And that worries me. Or if the Huskies are up 24, let's say, in the fourth quarter, comfortably in control of the game, Hawaii's going to keep chucking the football, and the back door in this one might be open for the Warriors. So lean Washington, I doubt I get to the betting window with the uh, Warriors in that game. Let's talk the late-night bailout special. This is a, the degenerate special this week. It's the only late game. It's on ESPN. Uh, there's actually a couple of FCS late games, but this will be the one that's going to take the majority of betting action whether they're up, whether they're down, people love to bet the late game. Texas Tech, minus two, total of 77 at Arizona. This one has the potential to be really wild, Ralph. Both these offenses should be putting up points in bunches. Teddy, I just want to jump back for one second, if I may. Talking about point in bunches, as you and I were talking through that Washington-Hawaii game, we both agree Washington's going to score 40 points. If you think Hawaii has the backdoor potential, a total of 58 and a half is something that would come into play the way we talked it out. Uh, your reaction on that real quick. Well, I mean, if I'm if I'm going to play Hawaii, I'm going to play the over. I think Hawaii correlates with over. Absolutely. In that ballgame, you're taking the points, you're taking the points because you think Hawaii can score. So I do think there's at least modest correlation, Hawaii and over and Washington and under. I worry about the backdoor. But 
At the same time, I don't think Hawaii is going to be marching up and down the field in this one. Uh, like I said, my lean was Washington, but I doubt I'll pull the trigger. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. And it would take a line move, a pretty significant line move for me to get there. Well, moving now, to Texas the game Tech, Arizona. Absolutely. You know, the Red Raiders are probably the most unknown 2-0 team there are. Uh, you only had 13 returning starters. You have a new head coach in Matt Wells. Yes, you're 2-0 and you, you've put up 1,100 yards, but uh, you've played Montana State and UTEP. So, you know, how good is this Texas Tech team? Uh, you know, my power ratings actually still have Arizona as the better team, and that is with dropping them off after that Hawaii loss. So, you know, is Khalil Tate finally healthy? He was dynamic when he came up in his first season, put up, what, 300 yards in, in four or five straight games? Well, he's rushed 15 times for 103 yards, and he didn't really rush in the Hawaii game. He didn't have to rush last week against Northern Arizona. You know, this this game for me is another game that I'm going to watch and learn. And if Khalil Tate is healthy and can run the ball like he did a few years ago, I actually think Arizona State's the better team. With that said, Texas Tech got one of the best coaching hires in the book under under uh, my grades, getting Matt Wells. And I think he can finally get them winning some big games, which in the past they failed to do under the now Arizona Cardinals head coach. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, 77 to me looks low for this total, and it really does. I don't see Arizona's defense stopping Texas Tech at all. And Tate had one run that I remember in the Hawaii game. It was the, one that, the run that ended at the one-yard line. Uh, which was the one yard between them tying the game and losing by a touchdown. Uh, I don't know that I trust uh, the Red Raiders defense to shut down Khalil Tate either. I do think this game has ping pong match potential with both teams marching up and down the field. The total reflects that at 77, and that's still the only way I could look. This is a unique point spread we're going to talk about next. It's a point spread that we haven't seen since 1992, Ralph, Virginia. Not just laying. They're laying seven and a half, total of 58 against Florida State. What do we do with teams like Florida State? we got Florida State to talk about here and UCLA to talk about next. Two teams that the betting markets are basically flipping the bird at right now. Nobody wants the Seminole. Well, I, I tend to lean with the team that is in a new historic setting like Virginia. Virginia had been a dog every year since 1992. They've been a dog prior to that. My database only goes back to 1992. The average line was plus 15.6 points per game. Now they're laying seven and a half. Last time these two teams played, Florida State was giving Virginia 19 and a half. But again, that was back in 2014. When you have an overreaction from one season to the next, that's something I'm going to look at. But listen, I study college football as much as anyone. I was on Florida State week one. I was totally wrong. I thought Florida State would bounce back and cover against ULM. I was totally wrong. They are. I have dropped them more in my power ratings than I have any other team. Uh, but I am not yet in the position to turn it around and have Virginia lay that much to a team that I think still has talent, just hasn't played well their first two games. And again, Florida State won last week. They're not an 0-2 team whose season is hopeless. They got the win. It wasn't pretty. And this 
point spread way out of whack with historical norms. Speaking of point spreads out of whack with historical norms, we have Oklahoma laying 23 and a half on the road against the UCLA Bruins. Chip Kelly squad has now been thoroughly devalued in the betting markets. And I think worth it. Uh, they had nobody show up for the game. It was their lowest crowd in 20 years. And in fact, if you went to the San Diego State game, UCLA mailed you tickets this week for free. You didn't ask for them. They were just trying to get some people in the seats to not embarrass themselves. You want to talk about angles. Uh, Oklahoma, as an away favorite now, 22-3 and three to the over. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. When they go on the road, they tend to score 22 and three. One quick note, remember, when you're betting these teams on the road, there's a limit to how many people can travel. So you're only taking your first string, your second string, and some third string guys that can play multiple positions. It gives road teams like Oklahoma a huge edge and it keeps them scoring. And that's why you see so many of the top five teams, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, and Clemsons of the world, the Georgias, why they do so well on the highway. The roster's shorter, so when they're blowing somebody out, there's still quality players on the field. All that said, boy, 23 and a half is a lot of points to lay to UCLA. The Chip Kelly era crashing and burning already in L.A. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Stretch time here. Uh, wager talk. Time for a little betting 101. We like to do this at the end of the show, give you some little tips that will help you in general, that will help you long term. And I'm going to give you, remember that book came out a couple years ago? It was, I don't know, it was a long time ago now. The Secret. I remember reading it and I don't even remember what the secret was, but I'm going to give you my secret. <laughs> it wasn't a very good book. Uh, Teddy's Secret of Sports Betting, we'll call it. Betting 101. It's not how good or how bad the teams are in general. It's not. Teams can be great. Teams can be awful. It's how good or bad the teams are in relation to how the markets are pricing them for that single game. That's what the secret is. Last week, Alabama against New Mexico State. You have the, one of the best teams in college football against one of the worst. Well, it's priced right. Alabama's laying 55, and they win by less than that and don't cover the number. They win by 52. That will happen all the time in college football because Alabama priced correctly for how good they are. New Mexico State priced correctly for how bad they are. Look at the Dolphins and the Patriots this week. Another classic example where how high will it go? Don't know. Might go to 20 for New England. But you're not going to look me in the eye and say the Patriots aren't being priced right or the Dolphins aren't being priced right for how good or how bad they are. We know those teams are good and bad. The bigger issue, and it's very clear, 
over 22 years in Las Vegas, the bigger issue is not how good or bad they are. It's what does the markets think how good or bad they are? And is the markets right about this particular team? Are the markets right about this particular team? And that's the secret. That's the whole thing. Take the cover off, boom, uh, behind the curtain. That's what we got. This is a market-based betting activity. You have to respond to what the markets are giving you, taking from you. You can find opportunities to do that just about every week, the NFL and college. But it doesn't mean we're betting on the very best teams and or against the very worst teams on a week-in, week-out basis. We want to find games where the markets are mispricing teams for that given week. That's the secret, and that's what we're looking for. Teddy Covers saying sayonara for today. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend with Ralph and I. We'll be back again on Wager Talk tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super.